0: Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you that we can come together as a family. We thank you that you are such an awesome God and you love us so much, Lord. And uh, we thank you for the privilege of being able to be your children. And uh, Holy Spirit, I welcome you here tonight just to have your way, Lord, to the words you've laid on my heart, that you would just touch our hearts and renew our minds with your word, that you would stir our faith up, Lord, that we would be changed from glory to glory, Lord, as we grow to know you deeper and grow to know your heart more. I pray against any disruption or strife or any distractions, Lord, that there will be peace. And uh, pray your blessing on each person here in Jesus' precious name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. If you want to turn with me to John chapter 9, <coughs> John chapter 9, and uh, it's, a, it's the account, of the whole chapter of chapter 9, is about the account of a blind man who receives his sight. Now Jesus was passed by this man and um, he, he had his sight restored. He actually came up to him and he, he did one of those strange things where he spat on the ground. Jesus like you know, went and spat <laughs> and then he made this paste and then he goes to this blind man sitting innocently on the side of the road and he puts his paste on his eyes that he'd spat on and mixed this mud together and then he put it on his eyes and then he said um he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and he said to him go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is in verse seven and so he went and washed and he came back seeing and and if you read the account and i'm not going to because it's quite long um they said to him um they said others said um who is this man because imagine a blind man who's been sitting on the side of the road for years and years and years suddenly so goes to the pool, comes back out of the water with the muck off his eyes and he opens his eyes and he can see. It's going to cause a stir because if I was blind and then I could see, i tell you what, I'll be letting people know. So he started to let people know and they're like, who is this guy? Is he the guy? Nah, surely he's not the guy. And others said, oh, maybe it's somebody. Yes, it is. And he goes, yes, I am he who was blind and now I see. And uh answered, well, who made you able to see? And he says, well, the man called Jesus and uh he made clay and spat on it and anointed my eyes and said to me go and wash in the pool and so i went and i received my sight and they said where is he and the blind man who we now seeing said i don't know and uh so they it was spreading throughout the whole town that there was a blind man who now could see and the pharisees and all the religious leaders they started to hear about this and they're like well what's he doing he can't do that And uh, who is this man from? We don't know where he's even from, which wasn't true because they did know where he was from. He'd been doing miracles for a while and they knew where he was from. And so they brought him in front of the um, Pharisees and said, it's the Sabbath and he can't be spitting on the ground and making clay. It's against the rules that you do anything. And uh, they got upset with him. and said, well, if he was really a spiritual man, he wouldn't have broken the rules. Whereas we know Jesus always broke the rules because he was more interested in the people than he was about rules. Yeah, And uh, so he said, well, he must be a sinner, but how can he do such signs? And so there was this great division among them. And uh, the blind man said, they said to the blind man, what did you say about him? He opened your eyes. He said, well, he must must be a prophet. And they got very upset about that. And uh, then they brought his parents, and his parents didn't want to be kicked out of the synagogue. So they said, well, you ask him. He's of age. And he said, well, I was blind and now I see. And they said, well, how did he do it? And he said, you're not listening. I was blind and now I see. Do you want to follow this Jesus too? So they got really mad then and they kicked him out of the church. And, uh, and Jesus, he comes along and sees him, finds him and says, you know, go your way. I'm the one who healed you. And, you know, and he says, well, I want to follow you now. Which you would, wouldn't you, if you were blind and now you see. <clears throat> but it was interesting, the reaction of the people. Can I just move this i and move this down here a little bit? it was interesting because they said who is it who is it that has done this and they didn't like the fact that somebody was messing with their nice little rules and way they did things and uh, you know he was just sharing his testimony and that's what I want to talk about tonight is that everybody has a testimony to share that man he had a testimony he said you know I was blind but now I see that was his testimony and after you read about um, Lazarus further on in John You'll hear that Lazarus, he, was, he had died and he'd been in, the, in his, the tomb, the grave, for four days and Jesus comes along and calls him out. He says, Lazarus, come out. And they say, well, you know, we don't want to mess with the tomb. And he said, no, roll the, roll the back of the stone and I'll call him out. And he came out. And see, Jesus, so Lazarus, he definitely had a testimony. He was dead and now he was alive. You know, so everybody has a testimony. When you know Jesus and you've asked him into your life, you have a testimony. Testimony is what has Jesus done for you. What, have you, what has he said for you? So everybody has a testimony. You may not be blind physically, but you've been blind spiritually. And I said, this guy, he had a testimony. I was blind and now see. Lazarus, he was dead and now he was not. And Jesus, he had a testimony. He had that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to, and he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus had a testimony, that is what I'm doing, that is what I'm about, and I'm to overcome and, and get rid of the works of the devil. So he had a testimony. He knew what he was about, and he knew what he was doing, and every time he got up and said it, he said, I am here and the, and the Lord has anointed me to open blind eyes, to lift off burdens, to, bro- to heal broken hearts, and so every time he spoke, he testified. And tonight i want to encourage us that every time we speak when we have a relationship with jesus we're to testify you know we have been blind spiritually we've been broken we've been beaten down with sin and guilt and all the things that the enemy and the world throws at us but now we're free now we're free and now we see and sometimes when we don't share our testimony, we're like that man, the blind man, and all the people started to come to him and all the religious people and those people who you think should know better and your family, his family didn't stick up for him, and they were like, they had a go at him. And they started to cause doubt and they started to say, well, really? Is it, was he a good man to do such a thing? And, and they came against him and he's like, well, no, hang on a minute. My testimony is that I was blind and now I see. And so we have to be careful that when we know Jesus has done something in our life that we don't get discouraged by the skeptics in our world but those people who don't know him or those people who doubt that you're telling the truth because that is our testimony only and, that and that's who you are. And you know, nobody, nobody can say, well, no, that, that didn't happen because you know it. And the more, more you share it, the more confident you'll get, no, actually, that's what God did. Really? Yes, that's what God did Look at me, I was lame and now I walk. Yeah? And it's just been able to, you know, the devil, he tries to disempower and discourage us to share our testimony because he knows when we start to share it, things are going to happen. You know, like that town was a buzz. There was a blind man and now he sees. And imagine if you had been at Lazarus's house when he died and they put him in the tomb and they're all wailing and mourning and carrying on and there was a great crowd and Jesus walks into the midst of them all and calls him out after four days and he comes out living. Imagine if you'd been one of those people. You know that they actually wanted to get rid of the Pharisees and the religious leaders actually wanted to kill Lazarus as well because there were so many people not just coming to see Jesus but coming to see the dead man who was now alive. Yeah? Because it causes a stir because it's his testimony. He's a walking, living testimony. And I tell you what, there's walking, living testimonies in this room. Yeah? We all have a story to tell. We all have something that God has done in our life. If we've come to know him, then we have a testimony. Yeah, And it just and we need to be encouraged to share it because if we don't, it gets squished down or we start to doubt that it's relevant, we start to doubt that it's true. Oh, did God really do that? The less you share it, the more the distant it comes from you know, what God has done. When you remind yourself of what God has done sharing it with somebody else, you're encouraged and you get blessed all over again. i was sick and now i'm well i was lame and now i can walk i was deaf and now i hear. i was broken and now i'm healed up i was shy and now i'm not yeah every time you 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 share what god has done i tell you what it's like this buzz starts to get on the inside of you go you know what that is what look what the lord has done in me you know look what god has done to me and the enemy's plan and the world crowded in us says don't do that Don't make a fuss, don't tell anybody, oh that's not politically, religiously, whatever, socially correct, but it is. Yeah, I was sharing, I was at dinner at my sister's um, birthday party last night (coughs) and I was sitting next to this lady and I wasn't sure if she was saved or not, but I was sharing with her, I don't think she is, (laughs) but I was sharing with her that when we went to um, Thailand and Philip, as bold as he is, he gets up in the middle of this leprosy village and he starts to share how g Je- and his sermon was that jesus heals the lepers and there is like 50 or so lepers in the room and he's and i said what are you preaching on he says oh, i'm preaching jesus heals the lepers and i thought well, you're awesome <laughs> so he gets up there and he starts to preach and you know he's preaching that jesus heals and jesus saves and jesus is interested and jesus is same yesterday today and forever and so he starts to preach and there's, you know, this face has to come in the room and I'm like, man, he's bold. And uh, anyway, we go and he says, we, we would like to pray, so we're going to go to you because they're lepers and some of them, they have their legs and their bits and their ears and their noses aren't all together. You know, they're not there because a leper, when they, when they have leprosy, they lose sensation. They can't feel their hands, their legs, the ends of their nose, their fingertips, so they're not there anymore often. So they're missing appendages and bits. And so we went to them as a team to pray and we, we just prayed, Lord, you just do your thing. Lord, we pray healing. And uh, we're, we're speaking, praying, you know, English, and they're Thai, but they're just nodding their heads and receiving. Anyway, about half an hour after we're there, we're eating a meal with them all, and uh, a man comes running over to Philip and says, hey, hey, you know, I, I, I come over here. This man here, he, for eight years, has not been able to have any sensation in his legs and he has tingling, and for the first time in eight years, he can feel his legs. Now, that's a testimony, yeah? And that tells you that when you preach the word, God will back it up, yeah? It's just so often we just don't expect it, but God is cool. And you know what? When you're bold like that, he won't leave you hanging, yeah? And then oh, there was another lady down the back, and she'd had this heart thing happening, and we just laid hands on her and prayed, and she said, you know what? It's gone, that funny fluttering beating. There was people saved and set free and healed in that meeting And a lepers' colony. Pretty cool. You know, that is our testimony when God does something to share it. So I'm chatting away to this lady, and she's just like, oh. And I'm like, you know, you just got to do it. you just got to be bold and not worry about that they might think you're a fruit loop. You know what? If it, if it means being a fruit loop to Jesus, I'll be a fruit loop because you just got to be bold about it. Because people want to hear that God is real and he is living and he is interested and all the suffering and the hurt. People say, why is there so much suffering and hurt? You know why? Because we're not out there praying and letting Jesus fix it. He wants to use us. We are his hands and feet, his voices, his mouthpiece. And if we don't do it, we are little. Christians means what? It means little Christs. Christ means what? Anointed one. So when Jesus he called you when you say I'm a Christian, you're saying I'm an anointed one. What are you anointed to do? The things that Jesus did. And he says, You will do more than I have done. You will do greater things. Why? Because there's more of us. Because we have the anointing, Christ, every time you say I'm a Christian, you're saying I'm anointed to do the things that Jesus did. Every time you speak up and say, you know what, I'm a Christian, come to church. I'm a Christian, I believe you. Every time you say Christian, you're saying anointed one. Did you know that? That's what you're saying about yourself. So how about you believe it, that you're anointed one? Our, our testimony is powerful, and the devil doesn't want us to share it, and the, world just, the more the world crowds in and says, this is what's politically and socially correct, the less Christians are sharing. And we have to stir up our faith and our boldness. And you know what? The world needs to hear. Because people sitting next to you at dinner, people sitting next to you on the train, people sitting next to you on the workstation next to you at work, they need to hear that God is real. And your testimony, our testimony, is what's going to show them that God is real. So one of the reasons we're doing Contagious Christianity is it it tells us how to share our testimony. And not everybody has to have this big, you know, big bang, I was, I was blind and now I see testimony, but I tell you what, your testimony is valid and real just as much as the man who was blind and now he sees because God has people in your world that he knows you're meant to share with, you know. Yongi Cho, he has the largest church in the world. I think it's 950,000 people or more now in South Korea, and he was a Buddhist and he was, had tuberculosis, he was lying on his mat in his little hut at 17 years old, and this young teenage girl kept on walking back and forth his hut, past his hut, and she'd heard that he was unwell. Now she just said, you know what, I've got a testimony that Jesus can, will heal you, Jesus loves you, Jesus has died for you, and so she went in and she would just sit next to him and she would share with him. Now he did not want to hear, he was angry. He says, I'm a Buddhist, go away, and he would abuse her. And every day after school, she would come in and sit next to him, him on the mat and she would share her testimony. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. He, he cares about you. Look what he's done in my life. He wants to heal you. And she'd pray for him. And finally, he got sick of her. You know, he would use her and tell her to go, but he got in. In the, end, in the end, he says, all right, Jesus, I'll invite you in to my life. And he got healed of tuberculosis. And he's a follower of Jesus. And he has the biggest church in the world now. Now, if that young girl, we all know about da- Yonggi Cho, but do you, you know it was that young girl, that 17-year-old girl who bold as brass said, I have a testimony and you need to hear it. Now, how many other people knew Jesus, walked by that young man's heart and didn't bother to go in? I want to be like the 17-year-old girl who walked in and said, you know what, I've got something to tell you. I've got something to tell you that's going to help and you need it. What if she had not done that? 950,000 people possibly wouldn't know. And all the other, he sent, when he plants, he sends 30,000 people out to plant a church. You just don't know who you're talking to. You don't know who's sitting next to you on the train or in your uni class or at school or on the bus or even in your own household. How do you know you don't have the next Yong Cho or Billy Graham? or Amy Simpleson McPherson, or Catherine Coleman, who she was a mighty faith preacher. She, you know, she wouldn't start talking until she felt the anointing of the Holy Spirit coming her and then she would come in, and people would the healings, would just break out all over, the, all over the service. You know, there was another one. She would stand in this, on, the, on a, a soapbox in the middle of the street in this white gown until she gathered enough people <laughs> to gather around her, and then she would jump off her box and she would sprint. To this hall that she had hired, and then she'd get her helpers to lock all the door. She'd probably get done now, but anyway. And then she would get up and she would preach and she would testify that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and ever, and that Jesus is in the Bible, He's the same Jesus now. And so the wheelchairs and the crutches would line the hall walls of people who bang, bang, bang would get healed. That's Jesus we serve. And you know why that happened? Because they testified. They were bold and they stood up and they said what they believed in. So what stops us? Because the world and the enemy comes and says, you can't do that. Well, who says we can't do that? Who says we can't get up tomorrow morning or when you walk out here and you're walking down the street or you go out for coffee and say, let's share. Let's, let's just wait on you Holy Spirit and see what you're doing. Because when we step up and boldly proclaim the word and boldly declare who, what we believe and say, yes, I am a Christian, I'm anointed, Because every time you say that, you're saying, I am anointed, something's going to happen. And when we pray, 6 a.m., 12 p.m., 6 p.m., there's something happens. Because when we pray and we speak and we testify what Jesus has done us, then God is able to use us. You know, there's no, you know, it's like our life is like, you know the saying when you've got a, on the footy field, and they say, just leave it all out on the field that's what our life needs to be like what are we holding back for what are we actually waiting for we need to get out of bed on monday morning and say let's leave it all out on the field because you don't live monday again it's done it's dusted it's gone so why don't you get out of bed tomorrow morning put your feet on the floor and say lord i'm awake I'm going to leave it all out there today. I'm going to march into work. Lord, you use me. I'm going to, you know, every place which you put your feet, every place that you put them, God has given to you. So when you walk into your workstation, when you walk into the shopping centre, God has given to you. Now, mum here sitting very placidly there, she used to be a nurse and she would work. I preach better with my bare feet. She would, she would, she would, um, worked in the nursing home before she retired and uh, retired from that anyway and uh, she would um, walk up and down the corridors just praying lord just have your way lord just you just do miracles here lord you just do it. and i just, and i bind the things of the enemy i bind the things that satan is trying to do and i possess the gates of the enemies the bible said and she would march up and down and she'd ring me every now and then from work saying guess what god's doing you know but she could she was like you know what This is where I am. You've placed me here. Every place where I put my foot, up and down these corridors, in these rooms where these people are, he says, you've given them to me. You know what? Miracles happen. Up and down that corridor, miracles are happening. In those rooms where people were oppressed and scared and sick, peace would come. Where people, you know, older people, they can be really tormented and hassled. And he would, she would pray, and nobody else could set all those uh, elderly people because they get quite distressed. And she would walk in and just pray. Bang, peace would come. Why? Because she prayed and she was bold to testify. And she would just speak words of peace. Because every place you go, you are Christ. You have anointing on you. They anoint the same anointing that Jesus had on him when he walked and he healed blind eyes and healed every, and he just restored peace to people. We have that on us. We just have to believe it. We actually have to understand who we are. You know, she would and I've told you last week, you know, she would walk into a room and she'd, you know, when she would, it wasn't just an accident that those, that lady's toe that had been all icky and the worst she'd ever seen, and she comes in to dress, it turns around, bang, It's like completely restored new toe. It was not a coincidence that it happened. She'd been praying up and down those corridors, "Lord, you move in this place." Lord, you do miracles in this place. Lord, you have the way, and I bind the works of the enemy. I bind everything that the enemy would try to do in this place in the name of Jesus. And she lifted his name up. And when we do that, we make, we make heaven come to earth. The Lord's Prayer that everybody spouts off, and they even say in Parliament, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your heaven come to earth. That's what you're doing when you pray that. You know Young Ivan down there, he was saying to me the other week, he said, when we go into the shopping centre, how many times do we not pray? When we go into our shopping centre, just over there or wherever you shop, how often do we walk in and pray? I said, you know what, that's right. How often did you walk into the everyday places that you go and not pray and not expect God to move? Now, what would happen this week of all of us? How many people go to Gateway Shopping Centre or South Lakes or Southlands or... In this radius, how many people shop every week? How many times do you go into the shop? Once? Twice? Hands up twice? Three times? Four? Yes, lots. Now, if we as a gathering walked into the shopping center as we go in and prayed and said, Lord, I thank you that every place at which I put my foot, you've given it to me. Lord, I pray miracles in this place. Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. Do something, Lord, and then let me get involved in it. If we started to pray that this week, I'm telling you, God will use us. You'll start to see and sense things changing because that's what God wants of us. You know, Peter and John, when they in Acts 3, they were going along the road. They were just doing a normal, everyday thing for them at that time, going to the temple to pray because that's what Jews did. It was not an unusual, they were on a special, you know, mission from God. Big neon lights, let's go to the temple to pray. It was not that at all. They were doing an everyday thing, every course, you know, normal thing to do every day. And they went to the temple to pray and they saw a lamb man on the way. And he says, you know, he held out his hand and said, you know, give me some money. And they said, no, actually we'll give you better. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And you know what that man did? He rose up and walked and walked into the temple with them. They were just doing an everyday normal thing and yet they they just went, oh, here's an opportunity. Here, this is what I have to give you. Rise up and walk. You know, when we walk into the shops and our workplaces, our unis, wherever we go every day, every week, all the time, look out for God opportunities. They are praying. They were wanting God to move. They knew who they were and they knew they had the Jesus anointing on them. So when they walked along and this man howled it and said, help me, they said, "You, yeah, we can help you. We can do better than give you money. We can, we can pray in the name of Jesus and you are healed. Why were they able to do that? Because they believed that the anointing that Jesus had, a, that had on him to do things was on them as well. Because they believed it. Why did they believe it? Because they believed what Jesus said about them more than they believed what the world or the devil said. They knew who they were in Christ. And we've been preaching it for weeks and weeks and months and months. Who are you in Christ? That you are anointed, that you are set free, that you are worthy, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places, that you do not have to be afraid because the power, resurrection power of Jesus that rose Lazarus from the dead, that rose Jesus from the dead, resides in you by the Holy Spirit. That is who you are in Christ. And any other stinky thing that comes against you and comes in your mind that says you can't do that, you're a filthy rotten sinner, you can't do that because let's look what you did last night You know what? When you ask Jesus, Lord, I just pray that you forgive me for that. I messed up. I said that. I did that. Bang. He says he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and it is done with. And then you can get on and do what you're supposed to be here to do. You know? Because when we stay back in that place, you're just where the devil wants you. You're just where the world says you get under there and you get under my feet. That's what the devil's saying. That's what the world says. You know what? That's not who we are. We are forgiven and we are worthy. Phillips said last week, he said most of the time, Christians are limited by their value that they put on themselves. They say we're not worthy to do that. Our self-worth and who we see ourselves limits us to do the things that God is asking us to do. We say, oh, we can't do that. Or just wait a few months until we're better. Or we've got things sorted out. You know, time after time I hear people say, oh, I'll do that or I'll pray more, I'll come to that, or I'll reach out when I just get this area of my life sorted out. You know what? That's a lie of the enemy because he knows if he can keep you contained and we'll just sort this out, then he'll just bring something else. Oh, you have to sort this out before you can do anything. And then he'll bring something else. You know what? Ten years will go by and you'll just have a whole lot of, I had to sort this out. And guess what you could have done in ten years? A lot. You know how many people that can get saved just by you sharing your testimony in 10 years? A lot. How many people were healed and restored and had the word of truth shared with them? A lot. So, you know, the devil knows that if he can keep you here saying, I've just got to sort this out before I do anything. I've just got to sort this area of my life out. If he can keep you in that place and let you be, and get you believing that, you're going to be powerless and stuck. So I want you to Listen night and say you know what I don't have to have everything sorted out because in Jesus he you know the father sees us through the through Jesus when he looks at us he sees Jesus why because you're Christians little Christ's anointed ones and we got to see ourselves through the father's eyes that we are loved and he lavishes his love and his blessing upon us and he thinks we're awesome he looks at Glenn and says look at that man He's an awesome man of God. He does. He does look at him and say that. And the enemy would say, you know what? Let's just keep him there. But Jesus says, I have come to set you free. And you've just got to believe it. That you have who I have set free is free indeed. <coughs> we have a covenant with Jesus and he says that he will give us his peace. Thanks, Becky. You're going to know who Anna. I've got some scriptures because. I was really praying about this and I'm praying about multiplication. I had this word multiplication on my mind this week and I got so blessed, I got so excited. Oof. Anyway, <laughs> and I was like, Lord, you know, we just want to reach out, we want to see people come to know you, we want to see what we're here on earth to do, we want to see it come about. And, you know, I had this, I had this word, just look up the word multiplication increase. And so I started to look through you know what, multiplication and increase started at the very start in Genesis, at the very start of the Bible. Adam, God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Multiply. You know, God never intended that we would just be a few people. He never intended that there would not be a big family that he called his. So when we think about sharing with our friends and sharing with our family and those you know and you say your testimony is powerful, he's going to use you, but I want us to give us a little faith boost that actually is going to work because sometimes we get discouraged. You think I've been out there and nothing's working and I want to encourage you tonight that God is in the business of multiplying. You know why? Because you've got blessing on you. Part of the blessing is to multiply, not just the fruit of your own body I got that one down, but <laughs> that you would multiply his family. I got that one down, though, because I believe what God said. Yeah, I did believe what God said. And I, I got hammered on it a little bit. You know, the enemy tried to steal from me a little bit on that. Our first baby, he tried, he tried to really hammer me on that, and we had, I miscarried at 12 weeks. I had to really get the word on that, that that wasn't going to happen. When I was having Anna, I had to stop work and go to bed for nine months because he tried to hammer me. No, you're not going to multiply. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a promise, it's a blessing when you know him. And that's six of them as a sign of that. Yeah. (laughs) God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Multiply. Thanks, Anna. Abraham said, He said to Abraham, That I will that I will, and I will multiply your seed greatly like the stars of the heaven and like the sand which is on the seashore. Your seed will possess the gates of his enemies. There's a little bit of a typo, but that's okay. i got Becky to do it quickly. Um, but it's, now this here, that we are the seed of Abraham. If you read in Galatians, it says that we are the seed of Abraham, that anybody that comes to know him is grafted into the family of Abraham. So when you see that, he says and I will multiply your seed Greatly like the stars of the heaven, and like the sand. If you go down to Coogee Beach and you try and count the sand on the beach, good luck with that. <laughs> now hold on and just get this for a minute. That's how many people, more than that, that God wants to multiply His family. And if it's Coogee Beach, then that's His family in this place. So that's more than all the people in Coburn right now. He wants to multiply His family, and it is a covenant, promise. So it's not, oh God, just you know, might want to do that god just thinking about doing that he has actually made a covenant promise that he will multiply us have you got that so he will multiply us here why because he made covenant when god makes a promise it is an agreement sealed with blood you know why it's our promise because it came down from adam to noah to abraham right down to isaac jacob right down to David and then to Jesus. And Jesus is our covenant. Why? Because he died on the cross for us and he made a new and better covenant, but it doesn't do away that he says we are seeds of Abraham, Galatians said, in the New Testament. And he says, I will multiply. Thanks, Adam. I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens. The seed is the word. When we share the word, the word gets out there and multiplies. In my shed at home, there is a box of seed. And there's lots and lots of seeds. They came from two little bushes of everlasting flowers. Now, I'm going to bring them in for you next week to show you before I plant them. But those seeds have multiplied. There is hundreds of those seeds now in this big box all over Philip's shed. But there is hundreds and hundreds. And when I plant those and sow those, just like when we sow the word and testify, hundreds and hundreds of seedlings come up because God is in the business of multiplying. It is a covenant promise to us. Now, I got this when we were in the prayer meeting the other night and it was, what did Jesus do when he had the loaves and the fishes? He multiplied, but he prayed first and he thanked God that he was going to multiply. And I got this thing on me, it's like, you know what? God's in the business of multiplying. We've just got to thank him for it and testify and do our part and he's going to multiply. Why? Because he's made covenant with us. And if we just grab hold of that, because the enemy is out to squash it. You know, Jacob, Jacob and Esau were two twin brothers and their blessing, the birthright blessing given to the firstborn and Esau was the firstborn and he had this blessing on him of that that I will bless you and multiply you and make you great. And he was the firstborn, so the firstborn got the blessing like that often. And so he, but he despised his blessing. He didn't really understand it. He didn't really value it. And so he sold his blessing. He gave it to his younger brother and said, yeah, here, you have it for a pot of stew. I'm hungry. You make a pot of stew. I'll give you my blessing because he didn't value it. And I'm telling you, that the Bible says if you value the blessing, it'll work for you. It didn't work for Esau because he didn't value the blessing, but Jacob, he got hold of that blessing and he got hold of it and he actually wrestled with God and said, I will not let go of you until you bless me. If you get hold of the promise that he will multiply and make you fruitful in every area of your life, it's not just in your sharing, but that's what I'm talking about now and you're testifying, it's in every area, in the fruit of your womb, in the the fruit of your livestock, in your bank account, that his promise that he will respect, he will have respect for and make you fruitful, multiply, and establish his covenant. Every time he blesses you, every time he does something, every time you make a demand on that covenant, he is remembering. And he says, I will have respect for it because I have, and I will establish my covenant. He actually wants to establish his covenant in this church. And we've just got to believe it. We can't be like Esau and not value the covenant promise that God has made because we won't believe it then and we won't put a demand on it and we won't pray and we won't testify. If we don't understand that God has actually made a covenant to make us fruitful and multiply, then we won't make a demand on that covenant. I've I've got this revelation about it. It's if we have covenant with God. Thanks, Anna, go to the next one. We have covenant with God that he says that we will multiply that we will multiply. As the army of the sky can't be numbered, neither the sand of the sea measured. so will I multiply the seed of David, my servant. We are in the line of that because we know Jesus. If you look through the genealogy, you know that's why the Bible talks about the genealogy so much? Because want, he wants us to understand that we, when we ask Jesus into life, we are grafted into the family of God and the blessings that came from, from Adam, from Noah, from Abraham, from Isaac, from Jacob, from David, to Jesus, to us, We're grafted into it. So all those still stand. And I love that the Levites will minister to me. That means we're never going to be short of priests and Levite because you are a royal priesthood, so we're never short of people to minister. Did you see that? we are going to multiply the ministers. That's good because there's work to do. Now it's a renew of the covenant. He says I'll make a covenant of peace with them. And I will cause showers to come down in the season, showers of blessing. They shall know that I, the Lord their God, am with them and that the house of Israel are my people. You are my flock, the flock of my pasture. That's Old Testament, but Jesus said it in the New Testament as well. He said in John 14, Peace I leave you through my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's a covenant of peace that Jesus spoke from the Old Testament. He says, I'll make a covenant of peace with you. I'll make a covenant to multiply you and to bless you. The blessing of the Lord is a powerful thing. And he wants us to get it that actually his will and purpose is to multiply, to multiply things in your life, to multiply his peace, to multiply his abundance, to multiply his provision, to multiply those who know him. Because why? Because he died and he shed his blood. And when blood is shed, it is a covenant agreement sealed with his blood. He's not going to go from it. But we can be like Esau and not value it and so not put a demand on it. We'll still be blessed. Esau is still blessed, but nothing like his brother. Nothing like his brother. Because his brother understood the power of covenant. He understood the power of blessing. And I want us to get this tonight, that when we understand that we are blessed and we have a covenant with God to multiply in what we do that God's going to get on it yeah God's going to get on that because we actually put into demand on what he's done it's one of those kind of you just say Lord give me revelation about this because once you get it it's like faith this comes on the inside of you this is going to work but when I share and when I testify it's going to work When I pray and when I do something for Jesus, it's going to work. Why? Because he made a covenant that I have made a covenant with you and I will establish my covenant through you. Jesus actually wants to establish his kingdom here and what he died for through us. Why would he bother? Because he just is bothered. And he's not going to depart from it. He's not going to give up. And if we don't do it, then he'll go down the road and get somebody else to do it. You know, Seven people, the Lord spoke to Philip and said, I've asked seven people to do this. You're number seven. Everybody else said no. If we don't do the work, then he'll get somebody else to do it. I don't want to miss out. Put it all out on the field. You know Monday, you get one Monday. What's the date tomorrow? The 22nd, the 22nd of April 2013, you get it once. Put it all out on the field. Know that when you walk out the door, you have covenant with God. That He has Jesus is your covenant and he shed his blood and he's not going to depart from this covenant and he wants to establish it in your life, that you walk in peace, that you walk in wholeness, that you walk in power. All those things are part of the covenant, that you are fruitful and that you multiply. So whatever you do is going to multiply in goodness. Why? Because you have covenant with God and your testimony has got something on it. Have you getting this tonight? It's powerful. We don't have to be afraid anymore. We don't have to be timid anymore. We don't have to think, oh, is that going to work? Because if we just keep on doing it, God says, I will multiply you like the sand on the seashore that you cannot even count, so will I multiply. You know, the Lord spoke to us years and years ago and said, I want a church of thousands of thousands here in Perth. And you know, he's been speaking it and I've been in meetings where he's saying, the Lord says he wants to have thousands and thousands and thousands of believers here and he wants a church of thousands and 20,000. And, you know, and it's like, why? Because he wants to establish his covenant. He wants to establish his, his church here in Perth, not over east, not in America, but here. And guess what? He wants to use us because he says, you're worthy, you're awesome, you're Christians, you have Christ's anointing on you, and nobody can hold you back if you get hold of that. So when you share your testimony, be bold as a lion, we're not timid. We don't have to be timid. Just rise up and say, I have the anointing. I'm a Christian. I have Jesus' as anointing. And talk to yourself. Talk to yourself. It's called self talk and it builds your faith because you know what? You're just speaking the word of God over you. You walk into work, wherever you go, into the shopping center tomorrow, or well, who the shops are in for it tomorrow. You walk in and say, Lord, I thank you. I've got a Christ anointing on me that I am anointed to preach the gospel. I'm anointed to heal up the brokenhearted. I am anointed to set lives at liberty. I'm anointed to heal the sick. When you say those things and you start to speak it, something happens, miracles happen. Lies are restored, peace comes. You know, and mum is pretty awesome, but she's, she's, a, she's just a mum. Yeah? But she has a testimony. But she wouldn't say, oh, I'm this great big Billy Graham, you know, or this great big major piece. You know you have to drag her up to, to preach half the time or speak. But you know what? She's just believed that when she walked up and down the corridors, when she goes into trains, wherever she goes, that she has a testimony and she's anointed to share it. And things happen. Miracles happen. People's lives are changed. People are saved because she believes it. Yeah? And that's what God wants for all of us. That Jody, when she walks into the shops tomorrow and she gets in there and she's praying, Lord, i thank you every place I put my foot and she's walking along, checking, talking to the checkout girl. And then I just, God, just speak. Like when you hand over your money, it's got God's stuff on it. Why? Because you're anointed and you touched it. Yeah? Don't underestimate God's stuff on you. And he says that great will be your peace. And great, and he will multiply us like the sand of the sea. When the devil comes and says, oh, there wasn't many people at church. Yeah? Yep. But I'm multiplying. Amen. Amen. See that? That is our covenant. That was, that was the covenant that was given to David and Jesus in the line of David and we are in the line of Jesus and we're grafted into the family of Abraham so all the blessings from Adam right through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Bang, it's as when we believe in Jesus, it is as. We are blessed to our socks from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. We are blessed. And when we get hold of that, when you speak to your friends, when you speak to your family members, expect that you are blessed And they're going to multiply, yeah. Multiplication is is it's a God thing, and you just got to look at creation to understand that that He is into multiplication. Yeah, are you getting this tonight? I'm so excited. I was like, I want to spin around the room. But anyway, God's made a covenant with us, and and He wants it to establish it with us. And don't let it be stolen by the lies of the enemy. It says you're not worthy, or you're just you, or you know, oh, you're past it. Oh, you've got too many problems. I'll just sort this out. Don't believe the lie, the enemy, because when you start to do the things of God, it's like everything was grey, and now everything's Technicolor. Yeah, it's like it's like you've been riding a moped, and now you got them on those awesome Harley Davidsons. They're pretty cool, those bikes. <laughs> you know, and if we just consider and put value on the covenant that God has with us. You know what? This multiplication thing has got to get on inside of you. And it, when the when the enemy comes and he tries to lie and say, "Oh, you know, friends are never going to get you saved," you can say, "Yes, they are. Multiplication is on me. Just like the, go and go down to the beach and get a heap of sand. I don't know if you're allowed to do that, but anyway, <laughs> hold on to it. Maybe not take it off the beach. I think it's illegal, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. But consider the sand. And Jesus said that it will multiply. That the, children of God, the people that will believe, will multiply more than that sand on the seashore that you would not be able to count the grains of sand. That's what God's... And that's what he wants to establish here in Perth, that his sons and daughters would multiply. And you know what? He wants to use us. Amen? That's something to get excited about for a Sunday night. Go and have fun tomorrow and the next day. March into your workplace. Say, I am anointed. Maybe not too loudly yet. You know, But just... Be bold, and when opportunity comes to share or to offer to pray for somebody, say, can I pray for you? You know, if you hear somebody sick, go and march up and bring them some chockeys and say, can I pray for you? If you know about it, go and do it. The world is waiting for real, a real God, and he's here, and he wants to use us. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that you are so awesome. I thank you that you want to establish your covenant through us, that you are longing to do it and you're just waiting for some people to step up. Lord, we want to be those people to step up and say, we would make a demand on the covenant promises that you, that you would establish your covenant here, that you would multiply us like the sand on the seashore, like the stars in the heavens that you would multiply us. And we just see them coming in, Lord. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands that have not known you just coming in. Why? Because we testified. Lord, give us a fire in our belly, a song in our heart, a clarity in our mind that we would stir up our faith and just be bold and say what we have to say, Lord, and to forget about anything else, Lord, that we would just establish your covenant because you've called us and chosen us and anointed us to do it. Lord, I pray blessing on each person here that they would know who they are in you we cut off the past we come against every lie of the enemy every stinking lie that comes from the pit of hell that says we are not worthy we are worthy and we are called and anointed to do this lord so i thank you that we have that blessing on us and i pray boldness on each person holy spirit come holy spirit come and fill each one of us lord with your boldness to preach and that you would back up at your word with signs and wonders lord in Jesus' precious name. And we all said, amen. Go forth and multiply, people. <laughs> I've been wanting to say that all night. <laughs> have a coffee, please. Say hello to somebody you haven't said to all right at night. And uh, have a great, exciting, tent McCullough week.